hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. What is up, familia? I mean, it's family for those of you who don't speak Spanish. How y'all feeling today? You good? Good? All right, cool, cool. So listen, real quick, I wanted to, um, can we just thank Jesus for our worship team? Right? Because listen, they are genuine, like genuine worshipers. And I thank them on the first service, and I want to do it again because I want to give them honor. But me and my family are truly grateful for the worship that they bring with us here every Sunday. They put in a bunch of work, and it's genuine worship. It's not a performance that they're putting on. You know, and I don't want to judge other churches by no means, but a lot of times you'll go somewhere and you'll see a performance being put on. You know, and with these people here, they're doing genuine worship. It just happens to be from the stage. So I personally want to thank you guys for what you do every single week. I want to thank our leadership, Pastor Gio, Pastor Destiny, everyone else for all the hard work you guys put in because I get to see it and I see everything that goes on behind the scenes. So thank you guys. Can y'all make some noise for them, please? You guys are awesome. So I asked Pastor Gio to preach, and the reason why was because I wanted to kind of um, share with you guys what's been happening in youth. And I also wanted to conclude the sermon series I've been on with the entire congregation. Is that okay with you guys? All right, cool. So for the past several weeks, we've been preaching on something I call um, building a culture of revival. So one sermon, um, I was preaching like a couple months ago, and at the end of it, I felt God released me to say something like, they are ready to move into something deeper. So I started telling them, you guys are ready to move into something deeper. I feel like God is releasing me to go deeper into scripture with you guys. So we're going to start moving into deeper things. And as I've been doing that, they've been receiving it. I thought as I started going into the deeper things, they were going to be lost and confused. No, no, no. They're ready. You know, so what I've been doing is this. Let me give you an illustration real quick. I have three daughters. You guys know my daughters, right? Ariana's one of them. She's 10. I got a seven-year-old named Amaya. Then I have a uh, four-year-old named Ava. And we have, you know, because we got a big family, we got a minivan. Yeah. Y'all don't judge me. All right. I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me, right? So we got a minivan. So there's two seats in the front and then two captain chairs in the middle, and then one row in the back. And for the longest time, because they didn't want to, like, one of them doesn't want to sit in the back. One of them doesn't want to sit over here. So I had them alternating every week. Every week, you guys are going to switch seats so that there's no fighting going on. But how many know that if you've got multiple kids, they're going to fight no matter what, right? So I was like, I had them alternating, and then one time one kid had one day extra, then the other kid is like, they had an extra day in that chair, and they're freaking out. And I'm like, you know what? From now on, Amaya, you're sitting here. Ava, you're sitting here, and Ariana, you're going to sit in the back. And Ariana was all mad because she's like, I don't want to sit in the back. I want to be able to control the air conditioning and all this stuff. So she's all flustered with me. But me as her father, I understand that she's 10 years old, and soon she'll be becoming a teenager. And she's going to need more space. She's going to need more storage. They've got cup holders back there. Me as her father, I understand that what she's going to need is going to be coming up soon. I'm, prepa- I'm preparing her for what's to come, right? And I've been doing the same thing with the youth. I've been preparing them for what God is about to do. Pastor Gio has been doing the same thing up here on main service. He's been preparing you for what God is about to do in this place. He's been preaching on things like make space. Y'all remember that? Make space? He's been preaching on Holy Spirit, right? Belong, believe, become, advance. He's been preaching on all these things in order to prepare you guys for what God is about to do. I was talking to Kenny. Where's Kenny? There he is. We were talking and we both feel, genuinely feel like God is about to do something amazing. 
And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I'm a pastor here or whatever. We feel in the spirit God is about to do something amazing. Like the cap is about to be blown off. Like we've been in this place where it's just like about to bubble over. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know what it looks like. We just know it's going to happen. So we've been preparing this. We've been preparing the youth. We've been preparing you guys for this stuff. So I'm preaching on this called Building a Culture of Revival. Building a Culture of Revival. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to go over the last few weeks, catch you guys up. I'm going to go over like three weeks worth of sermons in about 15 minutes. So hopefully it doesn't confuse you guys. I realized on first service, I was like, man, I really ran through that stuff. Hopefully they understand it. But if not, it's all right because I'm going to conclude the sermon series tonight or today with you guys. All right. So in the first week, I was talking about how there's three ingredients to building a culture of revival. Outside of your obvious prayer, right, the presence of God reading your Bible, outside of those things, which is the standard for Christians. This is what we're supposed to do as Christians. Everyday activity is prayer, right, reading your Bible, worship, things like that. Outside of that stuff, there's three ingredients to building a culture of revival. One is understanding what your purpose is, meaning that you need to connect with your creator to find out what you were created for. I tell them all the time, I'm like, listen, there's like, imagine a TV. A TV was created by some, someone to fulfill a specific purpose. But that TV will never really fully fulfill its purpose until it's plugged into a power source. So they have to be plugged into what God is doing. The second thing is you have to find out what God is doing in your region. And this is also done by connecting with God. And what you have to do is you have to align your purpose with what God is doing in this region. Right? You have to figure out what he's doing and then align your specific purpose with your corporate purpose. Right? Then from there you have to build Genuine, loving, deep, deep relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, Jesus said that the world would know you are my disciples by how you love one another. Not by how well you preach. Not by how many people you've laid hands on, right? Not by how often you attend church, although you should. By how you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we talked about this. We talked about how a lot of times we'll come to church and we'll be like, hey, brother, love you, man. You know, we'll mention how we love each other so much. And then we see the same person at Publix and we're hiding from them. <laughs> right? And I'm like, God has been convicting me. How can you die for this guy if you won't even say hi to him at Publix? Right? Jesus said, listen, there's no greater love than this that a man would die for his friend. I'm like, how can I really say I love this person if I'm not even willing to say hi to him? So we have to build deep, genuine relationships. Deep genuine, right, relationships. So I went into all these things. I was talking about the, um, the ingredients it takes for this. I explained how the believers, the church, is a body. We went into that scripture. Y'all are familiar with the scripture? Pastor Gio was talking about it, right? Paul says that, you know, we're all one body. Like the foot cannot say to the eye, I don't need you. All that kind of stuff. So I used an illustration. After I read that scripture to them, I used this illustration. I said, like, your individual purpose would be like a hand's individual purpose. This, is, this hand right here is, I can go like this all I want to, right? And then my elbow has its own individual purpose. It can move. It can do all these things. But when I tell my body that I want to grab this cup, all of it has to function together in order to operate and do what I commanded it to do. Does that make sense? So I can reach for the cup all I want to, but if the elbow is saying, nah, I ain't doing it, it ain't going to work, Right? So we all have to find what our individual purpose is and align it with the corporate purpose of God and then fulfill the will of God in this region. Amen? So I was explaining all this stuff and 
they were getting it. And of course, I took a whole sermon for that. That was like, you know, 40 minutes or so of, of teaching them and breaking it down and all that. But the next week, I went into something else. The next week, I went into explaining what a culture of revival is. I said, hey, I want you to tell me what a culture is. And we kind of had fun with it. And some people mentioned, like, the Asian culture. Some other people mentioned a different culture. We talked about the Puerto Rican culture because I'm Puerto Rican. So we said, you know, I was like, what does a Puerto Rican culture look like to you guys? And you know, they were mentioning, like, rice and beans and, <laughs> right? Yeah. Food, you know. And I was like, well, what about, like, we're known for dancing and, and music and all that stuff. And I explained to them, like, a culture is something that people do on a daily basis that becomes like a norm, right? So if we're going to have a culture of revival, we have to understand what culture is, and we have to understand what revival is. For us to understand what revival is, we have to understand what it's not. Amen? Listen, revival is not somebody laying hands on someone, them falling, shaking on the floor, and rolling on the floor, although that might happen. We're not going to limit God, right? Revival is not you laying hands on the sick. That's normal Christianity, right? Revival is... When people decide to take God and his word serious. That means they make a declaration saying from this day forward, if it says it in the, in the Bible, I'm going to do it. I'm going to believe it. You see, I say it all the time, and sometimes my kids get tired of hearing it. But I'm saying, listen, as Christians, we just, we got to stop just believing in God. We have to start believing God. You see what I'm saying? It's not enough to simply believe in God's existence. If his word says it, we have to believe it. Right? That's what I'm telling them. Listen, it's, it's, it's more than just going to church. That's good. This is important. It's more than that. You have to have an intimate relationship with God, right? So I explained all this stuff. And then I went into the story of Elijah and Elisha. Have y'all heard this story? I'll give it real quick. I'll give a quick. Um, Elijah met Elisha. And Elisha was his uh, predecessor, right? That's the word for it, successor. He was going to take over his ministry. Elijah gave Elisha his mantle. And what this did was, this identified Elisha as his successor. Meaning that wherever Elisha went, people would look and see Elijah's mantle, and they would know that the mission of Elijah had continued. See, and Pastor Gio was talking about the Holy Spirit not too long ago, how we're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in me is for me, and the Holy Spirit on me is for everyone else. Right? Y'all remember that? See, the Bible says that we are clothed in the Holy Spirit. We're clothed in righteousness. Much like Elijah gave Elisha the mantle, Jesus gave us his mantle, so that when we walk through the streets, we walk through our jobs, we do all this kind of stuff, people see the mantle on us through righteousness, and they know that the mission of Jesus is continuing. Yeah. Amen? It's not just, and listen, it's important to lay hands on the sick and do all that kind of stuff so that people can see God is a God of miracles, because he's done it, we've seen it. But it's more important that you would walk in righteousness and understand who your God is, who you serve, so that other people can see him through you. Yeah. Amen? So we did this. I went into week three. I started talking about the five-fold ministry. I started talking about sonship. And this is even deeper. I'm, I'm getting deeper and deeper in how things work in the government, like, corporate aspect of the kingdom, right? So we're talking about five-fold. And I'm explaining to them how, you know, there's different functions and different offices. And I break it down in a good amount of time. Like I said, I've taken 30 to 40 minutes to break all this stuff down. I'm giving you guys in about 15 minutes, right? So I'm breaking it down. And I'm telling them, like, you know, how people are, certain people are called to do certain things, but they're not limited to that certain thing. Like, for example, um, some people are called to be evangelists, right? Not all of us are called to be evangelists, but every one of us is called to evangelize, right? That means that just because you're called to be an evangelist doesn't mean that you can't teach when the church needs it. Because I see people all the time, they're like, well, brother, I'm a teacher, I'm not an evangelist, I can't go with you to the streets. I'm like, no, no, you can go. Yeah, you won't be as, fi as efficient as somebody like Steve, 
but you can still do it, right? Because ultimately, you're a son or a daughter of the king. And he gives you what's necessary in order to fulfill the commission of God. Amen? So we, we have these equippings, these callings, these purposes, all these different things. And I was explaining to them sonship. You know, and all of it was going great. And they've been, they've been leaning in. And this is, man, phenomenal. But today I want to conclude this sermon series with the Bible verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. If you want to turn there real quick, when you get there, I want you to say, all right. Y'all know I'm a little hood, so I'm going to make you uncomfortable by saying that. You know? So when you get there, my, good job, good job. So I'm going to explain something. For the longest time, God had me stuck on this one verse. Like, I mean, I was stuck on this verse, it seemed like probably like for three months. Every day I'd read the Bible and I'd be, I have to go back to this verse. I have to go back to this verse. What's the deal? And let me tell you something. When God highlights a verse to you, you need to pay attention to what he's trying to tell you. And if that means that you have to read that verse over and over and over again, you read that verse over and over again until you get what he's trying to tell you. So I'm reading the verse. I'm reading it, and it's uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, real quick, let me cut it off. Um, let me tell you what it means. The word fear there means, it's the Greek word delias, which could be translated as timidity, which is why some of your Bibles might say timidity. But there's a, it can also be translated as cowardice, right? It can be also translated as cowardice. So God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Your Bible might say self-control, but they can be intermingled. It's fine. Self-control or a sound mind. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So I'm reading this verse over and over and over again. And I'm trying to figure out what it means, and that's how I learned, like, the Greek word for it, because I'm, like, learning what the original intent was and all this kind of things. So, like, what does this word mean? What does that mean? Like, what did they mean when they said it? I have to understand what God is trying to tell me in this. Then I, start, I realized, listen, God has put everything in his Bible, in his word, in order for a reason. Amen? It's in there for a reason, in that order for a reason. So I started thinking to myself, you know, I'm just kind of brainstorming with God. Y'all ever brainstorm with God? Like, you just start, like, throwing things out, and you're like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And God, God will, he'll teach you, right? He'll guide you in the right direction. So I'm going, man, maybe it's this, you know, maybe it's that, um, maybe it's that power is the most important thing to God. Then I go, no, no, that can't be it, because Paul says that love is the most important thing, right? So I said this in the first service, I'll say it again. Anytime you're confused about a specific scripture, you have to judge scripture by scripture, Meaning that if you're confused by a certain verse, you have to go to other verses somewhere in the Bible in order to clarify what you're confused about. Yeah. Amen? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, maybe it's because power. And I'm like, no, no, it's, it's love. Love is the most important thing. And then I'm like, all right, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Then I go, maybe it's that one leads to the other. And the Lord checks me right on that. And he goes, no, no, no. It's not that one leads to the other. It's that one comes from the other. And it rocked me. I said, man, so what the Lord is telling me is that if you want to walk in power, you have to be absolutely drenched in love. You have to be absolutely drenched in love. And for you to be drenched in love, like he's talking about, you have to have a sound mind. This is why Paul talks about how we have to take every thought captive. Every thought that comes into our mind has to be taken captive and made obedient to our God, right? Because, listen, what happens is, listen, let me say this. That verse in itself implies that not every thought you have will be holy, right? Not every thought you have is going to be righteous. So you have to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Because what happens is 
It'll go into your mind, and if you don't take it captive, it'll go into your heart. That's when it gets dangerous. Amen? Can I get y'all to stand up for one second, and can I get the worship team to come up, please? So, I want to say this. What's in your heart will influence your perception. Right? So if you're not taking that thing captive that's in your mind, and you're allowing it to go to your heart, now what's in your heart will influence your perception of people, of God, of all these things. For example, if you allow envy into your mind, and you don't take that thing captive, it'll go into your heart. I'm going to give you an illustration. Y'all ever had like an Allison Awesome join your squad? Like some person joined your, your job or your school that's just like amazing. Everything they do is awesome. They have the best clothes. They have the best husband. They got a nice house, a nice car. Like they're attractive and smart. Like they're just like perfect. So then what happens is you allow this like, you, you allow envy to enter into your, into your mind and you don't take it captive. It goes into your heart and what happens? It influences your perception of who that person is. Right? So now Allison Awesome might be this actually great person. She might be your next best friend, but you're sitting there like, she thinks she all that. Look at her. You know, look, she got like a little dot on her face. She ain't perfect, you know. She thinks she all that in a bag of chips. She thinks she all that, doc, you know, she the bomb.com. You know, you just start hating on her. She might be a good person, but because you have envy in your heart, now that's influencing your perception of who she is. How many know that we do this with God too, right? Maybe God didn't help you in the way that you wanted him to help you. And now all of a sudden this, this, this anxiety or whatever it is you have, resentment that you have in your heart is influencing your perception of who God is. And it's starting to move you in the wrong direction. It's starting to move you away from your friends, away from the body of Christ, away from church, away from all these things, simply because you didn't take that thought captive and it's festering in your heart. Man, the people closest to me know that I dealt with a good amount of bitterness in me towards the church. I love the people of God. I just didn't like the church. I mean, me and Pastor talked about this a lot. I had some serious bitterness in my heart that I didn't take captive in my mind. And it started festering and growing and growing and growing. And it took me away from the church. It took me away from the call on my life. It did all these things simply because I never took it captive in my mind. So I want to ask you guys this. What's in your heart today? What is it that you've allowed to pass from your mind into your heart that you didn't take captive and make obedient to Christ? It can be resentment, it can be anger, it can be envy, it can be judgment, it can be hatred, it can be something that someone did to you that, that now this feeling of hatred has gone into your heart and things have changed. What is it that you've allowed into your heart? Because listen, I want to say this before we um, go into this time of worship. For us to sustain a culture of revival, we have to walk in power. We have to walk in righteousness, right? For us to walk in righteousness, we have to be drenched in love. For us to be drenched in love, we have to have a sound mind. But for us to have a sound mind, we have to have a clean heart. It starts with a clean heart. And as believers, we think that nothing ever happens to us. But sometimes things happen. We let it slide from our mind. We don't take it captive. It goes into our heart. This is your opportunity now 
to ask God to cleanse your heart from those things that are influencing your perception of who he is and of who people is. So once you do that, once you ask God to cleanse your heart, now this is an opportunity for you to take everything captive. From now on, whenever something comes up about somebody else, you take that thing captive. If it's not aligned with the Bible, you take that thing captive. If the devil starts whispering, you know, this, you had an opportunity and now you don't. You lost your opportunity. Take that thing captive. If the devil comes to you and says, that person thinks they're awesome and they're hating on you, take that thing captive. Whatever's happening, you take that thing captive. Because when you do, now you have a sound mind. When you have a sound mind, you can walk in love. And when you walk in love, you walk in power. And when you walk in power, you can sustain a culture of revival. So what I want to do is I want uh, the worship team to sing a song. And I want you guys to genuinely ask God, what is it that's in my heart that's affecting my perception of people and of you? Amen. So I'm going to pray real quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, God. Lord, we thank you that you are in control of all things and that your love never ends. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would reveal to all of us, not just certain individuals, all of us, what's in our heart and that you would cleanse us, God, that you would give us a passion for your word because the Bible says that with a re to be transformed, we have to have a renewed mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the washing of the word. Give us a passion for your word, Lord. Father, I pray that you would cleanse our hearts and help us to walk in power. In Jesus' name I pray.